going on everybody welcome back to another edition of wavelengths episode two we have Yesin again we have arman we have garrett a crazy weekend that started on friday with trades involving the philadelphia eagles miami dolphins and san francisco 49ers trading up and down the board miami involved as the mutual party with the eagles and 49ers what do you guys think of the trades that miami had their hand in I think uh, that if it was any other franchise, I'd immediately commend Miami for everything they've done. I mean, they've got a uh, they've got a, a a top five quarterback from last draft. They've got um, they're, they're doing what they can to surround him with the right weapons. It's everything that you need to you know, trade down to create draft capital for the future, so you can build a successful team. It's um, it's the blueprint that successful NFL teams have used for 30, 40 years now, but. Um, Miami hasn't historically drafted well in recent years. Their front office has been a lot more misses than hits. And all this move really dictates to me is that they're putting all of their tokens in one basket with Tua and uh, that they're sort of ride or die with him right now. If, uh, if they take it, if, if they take it and run with it, you know, they get that growth from him, then they can use all these picks to really build a good successful team. But, can he do that? I don't know. Yeah, I, like I agree. Point. I agree. Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. I like the point you brought up because I don't think right now they're sold on Tua, but like you said, they're now fully committed to him, trading down to build for him instead of bringing potential competition, which I don't think they would have drafted, but I now think they do have to get him some asset to help him on the offense. So it's not solely on him. They've definitely made an effort to, they've set the blueprint. Like every single team that's a bottom feeder, bottom feeder in the division right now is copying them. You look at what Jacksonville is doing. You look at what the Eagles have started to do by trading back and it's adding draft capital and hoping to do what Miami does. And now all Miami has to do is draft correctly. You've got the picks. Now you just got to hope that they draft better in the future and actually put a winning football team out. I feel like that's what they have to do now at this stage. I like their move to trade back because essentially they move three picks back and they're guaranteed a top three receiver, either Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, or Jalen Waddell at the sixth spot, which, I mean, like you guys said, they're committed to two and they're building that blueprint, but also guaranteeing themselves a number one receiver for Tua while gaining more draft capital. Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, the that, that they did move back in the way that they did, but then they proceeded to move right back up the board again. I mean, they dropped down to 12th and then straight up to 6th, which proves that they are intent on securing some top-tier talent, but by moving down from 3, they're making it clear that, that talent's not a quarterback. I mean, they essentially added another draft, another third-rounder and another first-rounder in the future to move down three spots. And that's a that's a phenomenal deal if you're Miami's front office, but they clearly have their eyes on some talent that they think they can get after the run on quarterbacks that's early, that's sort of inevitable at this point. But um, I'm curious as to who they're going to go for because they there's got to be someone they believe in to be willing to make this bigger splash this early um, in draft season and show their hand. I really think it's a receiver. Mm. I don't. I think they're counting on Sewell being off the board at six but they know that they're going to get probably their favorite receiver in the draft. I feel like every single team above them will take 
a non-receiver. So they know by trading back, they've added a first-round pick, and they still get their favorite receiver in the draft. And, I mean, it's genius. You've added a first-round pick, and you still get the player you probably would have gotten at three. Mm-hmm. I'm glad my you brought own, that up. Go sorry, ahead. my only criticism would be um, that if I were them, and I know this is this might be counterintuitive, I would have stayed at 12. I mean, why? 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 why they secured three first-round picks for a nine-spot trade down. Um, why bother? Uh, why bother expending another one to move back up unless you have someone who missed all one? It seemed to me that they could have just used that capital, which is still an early draft pick at number twelve, to take someone who they someone more more of a value pick because they do have quite a few positions of need. And um, it could be a great spot for, uh, you know, one of the better cornerbacks in the draft or some, some, a position that they might need some help in, in the near future. They must really like a prospect that won't fall to 12. That's, mm-hmm. what, the, that's what that move signifies, I feel like, no doubt. Yeah. Garrett, that brought up a question I was going to ask. When they traded down the first time, you don't think the receiver they want would be there at, at 12, right? I, I really don't, know. Do you think they still would have gotten one of the top three at 12? No, I really don't. Well, okay, there's four elite pass catchers in this draft, if you include Kyle Pitts. And depending on trade-ups, they might get what's left of those four. They may get one if they're lucky. But they clearly have their eyes on someone that they know won't fall. I think the only one that would fall that far is Waddle. I think no doubt Smith and – Smith and Chase go in the top 10. And I think Waddle's going to the Giants. So I think all the receivers are going to be off the board. If they get lucky, they get one. But trading up means that they obviously want one and they know that he's not getting there. That's just my opinion on it. So the Kyle Pitts I wanted to bring up. It's interesting how in some mock drafts they have him going as early as two which I don't see any possibility of happening because the Jets need a lot more than a tight end. So I don't, I don't know why you would even put that out there. Is Pitts to Miami, does that seem likely? Or do you think that they're 100% in on a receiver? Well, I think they like Gusecki. I, I think they like Gusecki and they don't think Devontae Parker or any other receiver on that roster is a wide receiver one. And why I think Pitts is may end up being the best pass catcher in this draft. They have a way bigger need to fill on the outside, on the X, on the Z, not in, not, not at tight end. Yeah. And um, yeah. looking uh, looking at the way Miami played last year um, under, uh, under their coach, they, they didn't run a ton of 12 personnel and it's not worthwhile having two um, high level tight ends on the same roster when you're trying to improve a young quarterback. I feel like they, they'll, they'll value that wide receiver position a hell of a lot more, um, especially considering they appeared to, the fact that they appear to be going, um, going after something to lock down to his growth over the next few seasons. And they're not going to get that by having admittedly a great pass catcher at tight end, but they already have one of the better pass catching tight ends in the league in, in Mike Kosecki. It's not the right value proposition for them. If he managed to fall to them uh, in, in, in the mid-draft, I could see them trading up from 18, but that's unlikely, and it's absolutely not a priority. If he were to fall, do you think Sewell would go there, or would he keep falling down the board? There's no way Sewell falls past that pick. He's going to be in the top five, and he fall, if he falls to six, he's better than any receiver in the draft. He's the best offensive tackle in the draft by a mile, I think. 
So, so Garrett, you think uh, the Bengals talking about Chase is a smokescreen for Sewell? See, I want to say it is, but we've all, we all saw 2019 LSU play, and we all saw what happened when Joe Burrow threw passes to Jamar, to Jamar Chase. And I think – I feel like it's a 50-50. Like, I have no clue what they're going to do with that pick. If it's a smokescreen, it's a very, very good smokescreen. And it's interesting because I feel like Sewell – holds a lot of weight in what teams are going to do because I don't think the 49ers are going to get them. So that's three. Atlanta is, I think, 50-50 on receiver or Sewell. And then you go down to five to the Bengals and then six to the Dolphins. I don't see how he gets past six, but he holds a lot of, like I said, weight for other teams because if he's there, teams are absolutely going to take him because all of the top, six, seven teams need a cornerstone offensive tackle. So wherever he goes, there's going to be a, a very evident and prominent domino effect, I feel. Yeah, I completely agree. There's got to be uh, – there's going to be a run on tackles at some point, and it's going to be early because even though, you know, this tackle, this tackle class as a whole isn't necessarily – that much more special than any other one. Um, there is a massive deficit of premier tackles in this league right now. Um, and most of the ones who are in that elite tier have been, or have been locked down for a long time coming. Um, a few re- relatively good tackles um, tend to hit the market, but they don't stay there long. And the teams that need that cornerstone need them on a rookie contract fast. So there's going to be a run at some point and um, it's got to be early because someone's taking him top six no he doesn't drop and that that brings up a topic we're going to talk about later russell wilson if the seahawks still had the number 18 pick absolutely they would give everything to another team to trade up for him without a doubt that's a perfect pick to then give and then a future first and a couple other but they don't have that first round pick so they just missed out and maybe it'll affect russ down the line that's to be determined but I think that's another interesting tidbit that can be added to this already anticipated draft. Yeah, I think that um, the Russell Wilson scenario is it's it's indicative of two things. One that um, Russell Wilson is now um, settled enough in this league that he's aware of his stature as uh, a tier one quarterback. He knows the importance that he has to his franchise. He knows that if you take him out, is the one thing that could make his team drop out of playoff contention um and he knows his value he knows that you know he's seen what other teams have been doing around the league and he's aware that they treat their starting star level quarterback like just that they include them on decisions and they build around them what um the other thing it's indicative of is that he's aware of his surroundings he knows the situation he's in and he knows that he can't continue to play like this forever if he doesn't get help um so, but have uh, Seattle, they've hardly made all the right moves to put him in a position to win um, in the past. And they haven't exactly done that this year either. They've made moves on their offensive line, but they've not exactly been spectacular. I mean, their projected offensive line right now goes left tackle, Dwayne Brown, left guard, Gabe Jackson, center, Ethan Project, right guard, Damian Lewis, and right tackle, Brandon Shell. Now, only one of those guys ranks within the top five at their positions, um, according to PFF. I know it's PFF, but trust me. Um, and that's Dwayne Brown. 
The rest of them, at best, rank 13th at right guard in Damian Lewis through 40th in the league um, at Gabe Jackson and Brandon Shell. It's it's different. It's not necessarily better just yet. And I think they'll need to do something about that in the draft if they plan to actually keep Russ happy in the long term. Otherwise, this time next year, I could very much see Russ talking about a move and actually going through with it. Does anyone else sense the a lot of similarities between the Russell Wilson situation now and the situation Deshaun Watson's been going through. Your team is making trades that aren't exactly panning out. You're not getting any draft capital and the team around you is crumbling. And the only good player on your team is slowly becoming you until you're playing losing football and you get frustrated. I feel like we saw that with Deshaun Watson. And I feel like the, the Seahawks need to make an effort to avoid it happening to their own star quarterback. The only difference I can see is the Texans had a top five receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They obviously shipped him off for nothing. They let J.J. Watt go because they now know they're not going to win. But Seattle hasn't sold off any pieces yet. They're trying to keep what's left of the group together and hope that they can add instead of rebuilding because they still think that they're going to win now. But if Russell Wilson doesn't think that they're doing enough for him, he really makes the final decision. Yeah, they, they're the ones that trade him, but he has a lot of pull in if he wants to play or not for them. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Well, the thing, the thing becomes the NFC West is the best division in football, and all four of those teams could very well be in the playoffs. They're going to play six games against that division. What if, if they go 6-10, and 5-11 and 11 this year because of the fact that they're playing that division – do you think we start to see a fire sale? Do you think it really starts to bubble over into what we're seeing with the Texans this year? Or do you think they still continue to try to claw at a wild card for the rest of Russell Wilson's prime? I think that um, before we see a fire sale in Seattle, we'll see a, uh, a firing of Pete Carroll because he's um, he's been touted as this brilliant defensive-minded head coach, but take away everything that Russell Wilson has given this team and what has Pete Carroll really done for Seattle. He gave them the Legion of Boom for about three or so seasons. Um, but we've seen more successful defenses by less famed coaches for a longer term. Oh, yeah. Uh, pretty consistently. But uh, it, it's sort of the whole dichotomy of what really, what really brought the team success. Is it the drafting the star quarterback uh, you know outside of the first round or was it the coach and as seen by the whole Belichick Brady situation is beginning to look a lot like the quarterbacks are a lot more important than uh, having some brilliant defensive mind behind this team um, yeah, and uh, sorry no by all means I was gonna say Seattle's an offensive team mm-hmm. they're not a defensive they're they they win shootouts yeah and if defensive if your coach is a defensive wizard and you're winning shootouts imagine how good your team would be if you're coach was a McVay, a Sean Payton, an Andy Reid, you wouldn't have to win these shootouts. No. I mean, Pete Carroll's a better defensive coordinator than head coach on a shootout team. Yeah, uh, maybe he should, maybe, uh, he should be willing to take a pay cut and stay there. <laughs> bring, in, bring in, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe to say if he was, uh, if he was a little bit wiser and I think a little bit more humble, he might, he might have been willing to take that step back from a head coaching job and say, you know what, maybe I need someone who can uh, do some of this job for me. And I think the interesting part about a potential fire sale 
is that Russell Wilson isn't going to go in the middle of the season. Teams are going to be set with their quarterbacks and they're going to take pieces away from him. And then Russell Wilson's just going to have to deal with it till next off season. I don't think they trade him in season. This is definitely a either before training camp or after the Super Bowl. Cause I think once uh, practice and training camps open up, he's stuck there. So the fire sale piece that you would want the most isn't going to go. And he's just going to suffer and risk injury potentially. And so what, Ru- sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask, what price do you think Wilson would fetch? Would it be something around Watson's price of three first rounders and two defensive or offensive stars? Or since he's older in age, would it, you know, be less draft capital or no players added on? I think it depends. If say hypothetically the Jets were to trade, I would think that the Seahawks would value the number two pick because they know that they can get a quarterback instantly and not have to potentially wait. So I think if they could get a top five pick in this year's draft, and then if that same team that they get the pick from is still rebuilding a potentially top five, top 10 pick next year, I think that would satisfy their needs. But I don't think the return that they would get for Wilson would be what Watson could potentially get. Exactly. I think that also um, it's as much about who they'd be working with um, as it is about what they'd be getting. I know I think they'd be a lot more willing to take two picks from a team like Detroit who's sort of guaranteed to be at least a, a top 15 draft pick at absolute worst. Um, they wanted to take two firsts from them over, let's say three firsts from a team like Tampa, yeah. you know, aging, a, aging QB. Um, there's going to be a problem there in a couple of years time. And, you know, they, they, they might have too much success now to make that draft pick worth it. Even if you get more draft picks, you have no guarantee that they're going to be worthwhile to you. And if you're looking for a quarterback, you either need to magically find one in the second round or later or have uh, that top five, top six draft pick and really know who you're looking for. I now want to go back to the trade on Friday and keep it in the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers all but confirmed they were going to take a quarterback next month. Mm -hmm. That is... Very interesting because Mac Jones went from a mid first round pick to now being linked to the third pick, which I don't think anybody saw coming. And I wouldn't have thought of him in San Francisco being the best fit for either side. So I'm curious how you guys feel about a potential Mac Jones, San Francisco marriage. If Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, then it's a terrible trade for them because he would have easily been available at 12, in my opinion. That or I think closer towards the back end of the top yeah, 10. But you could have easily got him at 12 and there's no need to give up those three first rounders for a Mac Jones. I think if you're trading up to the third, you're looking at Fields, Wilson, or Lance. It has to be one of those guys if you're making your trade worthwhile. But then I don't understand why you're keeping Jimmy as well. Like, are you going to develop the quarterback behind Jimmy? Because if you're in win-now mode, you're going to have a younger quarterback and like an older quarterback. It just doesn't make any sense to me why they trade up unless they were going – and Jimmy G has a huge cap hit this year. Um, yeah, they're paying him like a, they're like they'd pay a star QB. And um, they've already said that he's their guy. and He's going to be their quarterback this coming season. And uh, the only scenario that you can really see is them drafting a quarterback at number three, because otherwise, why would you trade that far up? A team like Atlanta or Cincinnati um, that doesn't quite need a quarterback yet would probably be a, a lot more willing to work with you for that move. And the asking price would be nearly as high. Um so I think the real, uh, 
the real question for them is how on earth do they get themselves out of this situation? Um, because Jimmy G also has a no trade clause in his contract. He's not going anywhere uh, unless he signs off on it. And uh, they can't exactly work with a lot of teams uh, trying to move a quarterback where, who has very little success in his current system. Um, and he's coming off an injury and they've already got someone else to replace him. So what are they really looking for in return? The Niners offseason moves are that of a team that believes that they're a Super Bowl team. And they were. And if injuries wouldn't have hit so bad last year, they probably would have been in the playoffs at least. So if, if they're taking quarterback at three, they, they are obviously looking at a pro-ready guy, which is why I think there's so many links between Jones and the Niners. Because I think other than Trevor Lawrence, there's not a more pro-ready quarterback in the draft than Mac Jones. I think his intangibles are good. I, I think he's already close to a ceiling, which if his ceiling is what he's already done in college, he's a great player. Um, you know, so that's why th- that move confuses me so much. Like, well, our mom was saying, you don't need to trade up that high for him unless nobody else was taking your calls. I think this is going to be a move that you're going to look back in a couple of years and like, we haven't had a first round pick in three years. We probably could have gotten this guy at our original first round pick. And we were in, we were in win now mode. Now we have nobody to replenish as our superstar players are getting old. I think it just tightens your Super Bowl window. I think it's going to end up biting them. Yeah, squeezes the budget, gives them very little to work with in the future. So the, if it doesn't work out, they're screwed. But if it does work out, then they have their franchise QB. But um, so, And so often it's uh, the, the narrative has changed in the past two years or so towards um, picking guys who aren't quite pro-ready because maybe starting guys right away to try and, try and win isn't the way to go. And uh, that was the way the NFL operated for about 15 years there, but it's, uh, it's gradually moving back to the city guy for a year, let him progress, give him time, give him weapons, and then see what he can do. And um, so either they need their pro-ready guy and they need to use it immediately and win now, or this trade's going to be a bust one. I think the biggest loser in this situation is, is Justin Wilson, because when he first went to college, he went to Georgia, didn't play, sat out the year, transferred to Ohio State, it would be the exact same situation because I don't think anyone's going to want Garoppolo this season. So he's going to sit another year. Yeah. He'll get to learn the offense a little better. Like you just said, Yeston, they'll get some weapons around him, but I don't think he'd want to go to San Francisco, even if I think that would be a better fit for him. I don't think he wants to sit again. So for him, I think he kind of wants his draft stock to fall just a little bit maybe down to four uh, Atlanta's not going to take him, but same thing there. If Atlanta takes him, he's going to sit. Matt Ryan's not going to be there. Bengals aren't going to take him. Dolphins aren't. So Justin Wilson, if the Niners are, are all in on Mac Jones, Justin Wilson could fall to eight, nine, 10, maybe. Mm. I, I think Denver when they when they when they see this trade, they're licking their lips. They're thinking, "We got this great roster, and Drew Locke's in a make or break year." And I don't think Fields needs to start right away in the NFL. I think he has a lot to learn still. So if you're able to get a guy that could have gone at two a couple weeks ago, at your pick, if he continues to fall down this draft board, like it seems to be like like it seems to be the case, and you let him sit a year, learn from Locke, and then Locke shows that maybe he's not the guy you're going to have an early pick next year and you're not even going to need to take a quarterback. You already have your quarterback. 
and he's already been learning in an NFL system. And he's a guy that needs to learn. If he starts day one, I don't think he'll have success. And I think that's a perfect opportunity that's been thrown right into the, the Broncos laps. I think they're really excited when they heard about all those trades that started going down. And the thing about that is they also still have Drew Locke, who a lot of franchises still believe has something in him. Um, they'd still have him on a cheap contract and they could deal with him and actually get something in return. Exactly. Yeah. I think they have so many opportunities and they didn't have to make a move. Sometimes that's the best way. You just sit back and let everybody else play around with their draft picks and you end up getting a guy to fall right into your lap because mm-hmm. of one team prioritizing different things in front of you mm-hmm. or wanting to trade back. Yeah, a lot of teams going for the best player available or they've got their, tar- their, their eyes on a guy that they don't realize uh, someone else at the right position at the right time might just fall into their lap. It's, it's a really interesting situation because I, I agree totally going back to what you guys said before. San Francisco could have taken Mac Jones at their original pick. So it, it's, really, it's really interesting because I think the Jets all – but confirmed they're going to take Zach Wilson. So that pick it becomes really interesting and kind of shapes the rest of the draft because what if it's Trey Lance? Like you just said, Garrett, then Denver's still sitting there in a prime position to potentially get fields and sit and then learn. And then if Drew Locke does turn it around and become the guy they think he is, then they have fields too. And I'm sure someone, just because it's a year later, would still want him. So they could potentially be the biggest winners in this situation by waiting and letting other teams make the move for them. That's kind of interesting. Like people have this idea, like you spend one year in the league and you never see the field and you're, you're forgotten. Like what if Justin Fields becomes this Jordan love? Like nobody's calling the green Bay Packers about Jordan love. Like wouldn't you think somebody in the bottom half of this first round that might at least has an aging quarterback, somebody like, Pittsburgh might at least call about Jordan Love like I feel like people are I'm afraid people are going to make the same mistake about Fields if he does go to the Broncos that they're making about Love these great intangibles that needed time to develop but you're playing behind an MVP I don't think he's going to see the field in Green Bay and I think if I'm a GM of a team that doesn't have a a pick that's going to get him a good quarterback I'd I'd call and at least see the asking price on Jordan Love Mm. I completely agree and also um you know, those, those late top 10, you know, early, uh, early double-digit draft picks. How I mean, you, you made the point about them sitting on a bench behind someone and disappearing for a year. And sure, you know what? You might cost them a rookie season or you might get a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, how many exactly. people really expected Patrick Mahomes in his second year to blow up the way he did? Because he dropped off the map as a rookie. I mean, he hardly played. And... Um, yeah, he, he came out of nowhere. I remember he was undrafted in just about every fantasy league I'd had been in um, going into going into uh, 2018 there. And then he blew up and took over. Yeah, so back on Garrett, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, back on Garrett's point. What if the Bucks called about Jordan Love, trade him back, and you have him sit behind Tom Brady for how – I think Brady has two or three more years on his contract. And – Brady retires and you have an NFL ready quarterback learning from the greatest quarterback of all time, stepping right into your starting position and you don't lose a beat. I think the Bucks should be a team calling about Jordan Love because they don't have any, I think their backup quarterbacks, Blaine Gabbert, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So if they could get a young rookie quarterback who has 
intangibles that need time to develop and he sits behind Brady for a couple of years, I think they could be another dynasty and run the league for the next decade, maybe. I, I agree with the idea, but just specifically the Green Bay-Tampa one, if Tampa even called Green Bay after what they did to them last season, they're, mm. go, they're just going to go, no. Sorry, <laughs> five it first might, round picks. might be a little bit of bad blood, yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask another question about the quarterbacks that we did just talk about. Does it seem like Justin Wilson's draft stock has the most potential to fall the most on draft day? Um, I, I think so. Just if you go by the Ohio State, you know, um, kind of quota on quarterbacks, I don't think they have all these great quarterbacks coming out. Most recently, Dwayne Haskins. They don't pan out the way they should. I think GMs might take that into account. Like, oh, you have all these great Ohio State quarterbacks and never pan out in the NFL. But Definitely, I think his draft stock's going to fall the most just based on other teams like the Niners taking into account Mac Jones, most pro-ready, like Garrett said. Might, be, might not be the best game field, but they like his seal, think like his play style more than Justin Fields at the moment. So I think he has the most potential to fall. No, I agree. I think Fields field, – some teams are going to view Fields as, as the second-best quarterback in the draft, and some teams are going to look at his tape and – see how much he still needs to work on and be like, well, we need to win now. And this guy needs at least a year in a system to understand it. Because I mean, there was times that there was games this year in Ohio state, like against Indiana, when like, if you can't play well against Indiana, you're not going to play well against an NFL defense. So he, if the, the teams that are, are supposed to take him in the, the later part of the, the top 10 view him as a, as a project, he very well could fall into the team's, I mean, I'm sure somebody would trade up at that point, but I mean, his draft stock might fall more than anybody's, just like Haskins did a couple years ago. Yeah, and it's in, I mean, it's so situational too. The each one of these teams, you never really know what the GMs are thinking, and um, I'm sure that if uh, you know, based on everything we know, we've all got that preconceived idea of which quarterbacks best for where and who and how. But uh, for each one of these coaches, they're also meeting, you know, these coaches and GMs are meeting with these guys several times, every single one of them, and just trying to figure out who they who they, they feel is the best fit. Because that's also just as big as analytics for some of these guys, is, you know, shaking his hand and seeing, you know, looking him in his eyes and saying, hmm, can you be our guy? Because it's as much as, uh, it's as much timing and chemistry as it is talent and development. Yeah, people draft quarterbacks different than they draft defensive linemen. I mean, if a defensive lineman has killer in his eyes, you know, you might just be like, oh, that's enough to take him early. He plays hard. With a quarterback, like, he's got to have some level. It's a chess match at that position. And if Justin Fields walks in, and he might be the most determined guy in the building while he's going through his interviews, but if he doesn't show any any brain, you know, any IQ high enough, they might just be like, nah, like, I mean, if you were a wide receiver, maybe, but I mean, I feel like he has a lot to lose and he has a lot to prove, especially as we're in the weeks leading up to the draft and people are really starting to watch him and watch how his stock is tumbling. All right. Well, do you think he could be potentially like a Lamar Jackson situation, like a pick 32? I don't think he falls that far. I think somebody, if he falls into the teens, somebody is going to call and get a trade up. I don't think he falls past. 10. If, if, if he gets past 10, Bill Belichick's going to do something, pull some witchcraft, and the Patriots are going to get Justin Wilson. 
then the dynasty starts over and the world ends, I guess. Yeah. Dude, don't do that to fun. me, man. I got PTSD for the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so crazy. Like we've been talking about Sewell, Wilson, uh, no, Will, yeah, Justin Wilson. They hold so many, like, how do I put it? Just where they go affects the rest of the draft and has this domino effect that could really just totally change teams' games, games, game plans. Sorry. It's just crazy how, like you guys have been saying, Wilson might not even start this year, but where he goes affects Carolina and Atlanta. So I think that the weight that these players hold might have more effect than past year's drafts have had for sure. Oh yeah. And it it, it will go probably past day one. It'll affect the way teams plan for day two, day three, you could get your first round pick different than what you've been, you've been planning on drafting this one guy for months and you know, somebody grabs him in front of you, you're not expecting it. And you completely are making your, your draft plan up on the fly from then. And that's when that's what separates good GMs from great GMs. Can you, recover when the guy you thought you could get it in the third round goes in the second round and you have to completely restructure your plan yeah do you have a contingency you know what's your backup pick what's your backup backup pick and how many backup 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 picks do you have exactly so i do want to let you guys go a big thanks to garrett yeston and armand for joining the last thing i did want to say and leave everybody with is that you were talking about day two day three I think day three, Chris Mullen, if you're listening to this, you're not going to like this, but Ian Book is going to be on an NFL team next year. He's not going to help. But the fact that I think he'll be on an NFL team just is an exciting thought because, yeah, he's not the best college quarterback. He couldn't really play an NFL style at Notre Dame, but he's going to be on a team somewhere. I really think that. It was totally unrelated, but I had to get that in because we were talking about quarterbacks. So this is a pro Ian Book podcast, and that that was the last thought I wanted to leave everybody with. If you guys had anything real quick you wanted to say, you got about 30 seconds. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good as well. So once again, big thanks for you guys for joining. Go Ian Book. I'll be back (laughs) on Thursday night. We're going to do a Final Four preview. So thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.